we, um, I don't know if uh, you traveled at all this year, perhaps you have recently and have gone on an airline or a flight somewhere, and you may not realize it, but um, if you travel at night on an airplane, you're grateful for lights, because lights loom the runway when the pilot's coming in for his landing, because they act as a beacon to, to guide the pilot, to call that pilot back to earth and back home. Lights are important. Lights are an important part of our Christmas tradition. We see them on trees and uh, an advent of wreaths and all around us. And it's an enduring symbol of what Christmas is. It's an important part of, uh, of the biblical life as well. What God has done really from the beginning of time up until now. Light serves as a way of calling us, a way of guiding us. If uh, you've ever trick-or-treated on Halloween, maybe your children do. Uh, we always have, I grew up learning and we continue to teach our children, the homes you go to are the ones with a porch light, right? Why? Because those are the ones that would call you to say someone's home. There's someone there to receive you and that's the way light works. When I, uh, uh, after coming back from my overseas adventure, I moved to Southern California and I shared many stories about my job working as a ground crewman on the blimp. But I'm not sure I've ever told you uh, the, the part, because um, I came back and I, I responded to this ad and classified to the newspaper. And uh, I got this job, and the only way I could get there, uh, it was at the Tustin, in Tustin, California, the Tustin Marine Air Base. And uh, it was a partially decommissioned base. Nobody really lived there. There wasn't a lot of activity, but it was still a, a space that had to be protected. When I would enter the base, I had to go through the gate, and I had to tell them my code word. That was pretty cool. I never had a code word before, but I told them my code word, and they let me in, and uh, often I would ride my bicycle there, my mountain bike, and um, this was Southern California 20 years ago. Uh, people didn't really respect bicycles on the road very much, and so especially when the seasons changed and it got darker, I got a little scared riding in the dark, and so I put a little light up on my, my handlebars, and I put one behind my seat on the back, and I realized that wasn't enough, and a co-worker gave me a strobe light. And the strobe light, I was able to strap the Velcro onto the, the tube that went down under under my seat. And it was amazing. Because this thing, and it's kind of a, a joke in our family now, because it, it had a mind of its own. And it, would, it had this noise, it kind of warm up. And, go, and that, that's the way it sounded as it fired off. And it wasn't rhythmic, it was sort of chaotic. It wasn't in the same sequence all the time, so I couldn't not... Hear it. I heard it all the time, but they would put out this big burst of light. And one night I was working late at the blimp, and I was riding across the runways. Occasionally, uh, marine helicopters would land and take off in this area. Not very often, and it was on a different part of the base, so I thought it's dark, I'm ready to get home. So I get on my, my bike, I turn on all my lights, my strobe light. Just putting out this big pulse of light, going across this pitch black darkness of this marine air base, and all of a sudden, a military police vehicle pulls up behind me, and pulls me over, and uh, it begins to ask me who I am, and I quickly gave them my code word, and that was good, and uh, uh, they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going home, and uh, they said, why are you going this way? I said, I don't know, I just wanted to get to the gate as quickly as I could. They said, you shouldn't be here. I said, I don't want to be here, I just want to go home, and uh, they said, well, we saw your strobe light flashing. And they were so intrigued, and they 
began to investigate what in the world this big pulse of light was because wherever they were monitoring, they could see, even if they couldn't see anything else in the inky blackness out there, they could see my strobe light. And it drew them to me. And um, I'm glad I didn't get in trouble. They let me go. That was a powerful code word. We, uh, we usually desire light. Most of us love light. We love coming into a beautifully lit sanctuary. We like light when we're reading, especially as eyes get older. Uh, but there are times when maybe we don't want light as much. We, we aren't interested in light usually when we're trying to sleep, are we? I had a roommate in college for one year in my dorm. And when we first moved in, Greg said, I, I want to put a blanket up over the windows, a single window, a little tiny uh, dorm room. And I said, okay, but I had no idea how pitch black our room was going to be, even in the middle of the day. It was hard to wake up without light. There are times when we don't want light. Maybe, uh, certainly when we're sleeping, maybe when we're hiding. You remember playing hide and seek? The best hiding spots were the dark spaces back in the shadows. There are times in our adult life when we like to hide from light, too. Perhaps we're concealing something that we don't want exposed. There are times we don't want light when we're sleeping, when we're hiding, if you're a vampire. All kinds of reasons. But most of the time, most of the time we value light. Most of the time we look for light. Most of the time we're turning light on. Most of the time we're drawn to light. We value light in dark times. And when the dark seasons of life come over you, you are desperate to see the light of God in the midst of those moments. When a child is sick, or your job has been eliminated, um, you have chronic pain, your marriage is struggling, you seek the light of God. Today is Epiphany Sunday. Traditionally, it celebrates the end of the Christmas season. The 12 days of Christmas ends on January 6th. Today's Epiphany Sunday. Most of the time in the Western global church, the focus has been on the wise men, the magi, those who followed a celestial light, the star, whatever that was. God gave it to them and they followed that light until they found Jesus. We love the light. Let's read together in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. The story of the Magi. The wise men. Here's what the Bible says in verse 1. Matthew 2 verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. They replied, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod, he called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find the child, 
Um, Come and report back to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down to worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Father in heaven, we pray this day, as has already been prayed, that our minds would be settled and our hearts would be opened to your word as you would speak and teach Holy Spirit. May we know that you are with us now. In Jesus' name, we ask it together. Amen. Amen. The Magi, we aren't quite sure who the Magi were. Um, They were likely from Persia. Um, We don't even know how many there were. We assume, or often we assume, there were three of them because there were three gifts given. But we're never really told how many there were. We know there was more than one because the word Magi is a plural word. Likely from Persia, back home in that area, they would have held significant uh, positions of uh, business, of political and religious roles that were significant. But they were drawn by something very particular and seemingly peculiar. They were drawn by this star. In verse 2 it says that they told Herod, we have seen his star. You see, God broke into their lives in whatever way, We don't know exactly what the star was, but we do know that he gave them light. He broke into their life with light. We don't know what the star was. Some say it was a comet. They've researched historical records in China and in the Middle East. And uh, they try to align the, the dates and things of when certain celestial events were recorded. Some say it was alignment of planets. We don't know. But what we do know is that God broke into their life with light. And through that light, He guided them to the place He wanted them to be. Does that make sense? God guides with light. He breaks into our lives with His light. This is one of God's great habits. Is He breaks into darkness with light. God steps into dark places with light. God is not afraid of darkness. God is not intimidated by brokenness. God comes into the dark. He doesn't run away. He steps into the dark. And it's been that way from all of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning of the Bible's story, when God was creating, it describes the earth as as being devoid of anything. It was darkness covered the surface of the earth. And the very first word out of God's mouth was, let there be light. You see, this is one of the disturbing habits of God, is that into darkness He speaks light. He says, let there be light. Light becomes throughout the Old Testament an enduring image of the presence of God. He is described as a consuming fire, one who comes into your life and mine to purify us with His perfect light. So in the creating event, we see God speaking into the darkness and speaking light. In the recreating moment, when Jesus comes into this, steps into time and space, in John chapter 1, in the Christmas story, 
we hear the light has come. We see it again. God comes into a dark world bringing light. Here's what John chapter 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. John came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all people might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. When Jesus later in His own teaching, He would point to Himself and He would say, I am the light of the world. You see, light comes at the creating event. Light steps into darkness at the Christmas event. It is God who breaks into a world often covered with darkness. A couple of weeks ago, we we looked at Herod and, and his part and role in the Christmas story. And the Bible is not, it does not make pretend of things, and it doesn't gloss over the hard parts of life. Even the Christmas story and all of the sentimental parts of Christmas and the warm, sweet images of, of little baby Jesus in this perfectly clean, silent stable. Those are the images we often have of Christmas, but it wasn't all perfect because Herod steps in as. Kind of the villain of the story. He's the one who represents the darkness of the world. One whose greatest hobbies were building and killing. Herod loved that. And it's disturbing to our sensibilities. But it reminds us that into darkness, God has come. Into your darkness, God still comes. And He comes because He loves you. You see, God's light breaks in. He's not afraid of the bleakness. He's not afraid of the darkness. Jesus brings His light and offers it to you. A light to see by. A light to understand your life in. Can you imagine getting ready for work or school one day and you step into your walk-in closet and you close the door and you've got your nice mirror there and you turn around and turn the light off? What good would that do? You couldn't see what you were doing. You couldn't see where your wrinkles were. You can't see where your hair needs to be fixed or what you need to do to get ready for the day. So you turn the light on. You see, that's what Jesus does in our lives. Is He comes as the light bearer so that you can see, not just see into the future, but that you can see yourself for who you are. Broken but loved. Separated from God, but brought near because of Jesus. You can see yourself fully and holy for who you are. A beloved creature invited into the family of God to be a child, a son, or a daughter. When our travel team a few weeks ago reported back on their trip to North Africa, one of the things that they reminded us was that in that particular place of North Africa, there's a lot of spiritual and economic darkness. 
But we have people there working to embody the Gospel, to deliver the light of Jesus into places like that. Many who work with um, human trafficking in our world today say that there has not been a time on the planet where slavery and enslavement has been more rampant than it is in our time and our day. There is darkness in the world, but there are men and women standing in the gap and standing to support those who are doing work to free people out of uh, darkness. In Marin County, we live in a place where suicide rates are exceptionally high, where alcoholism rates are exceptionally high, where broken marriages surround us, and there's darkness and hardship. And it is into dark places like that that God desires to go. And God sends you and me as His torchbearers into such places. You see, the light of Jesus wants to meet you when your child is sick. The light of Jesus wants to meet you in your chronic pain. The light of Jesus wants to come and help you when your job has been eliminated, in the tensions in your marriage, wherever your dark points are. Do you welcome the light of Christ into them? He has come into the darkness. We are called then to walk in the light. People who know Jesus and the light He brings are then called to walk in His light. This seemed to be an image that the writer John liked a lot because in 1 John, he writes this. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word has no place in our lives. We are called and have been called to the light. We are called to walk now in the light. Allowing Jesus and His constant presence and companionship with you to go with you into every facet of your life. There's not an hour of your day where God is not present. There is not a half hour of any of your days Walking, eating breakfast, sleeping, where Jesus' light doesn't want to be part of your life and to illumine your life. And He invites you to walk with Him and to walk in His light because not only do we see ourselves most clearly as His light is with us, but we also see the world around us most clearly. And we see the pitfalls And we see the patterns that ensnare us. 
And we learn to avoid those things so that we can walk in purity and holiness and that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord. Here we are in 2019. I'd like to offer you as we wrap up and prepare to take the Lord's Supper just a few ideas, old ideas. They're not new, but maybe they need to be renewed in your life and mine as we start this year. Ancient ways that are reliable to help your heart and your life be engaged in walking in the light of Jesus. If you were to say today, 2019 is going to be a year that I will walk in the light. These are three suggestions I offer to you that will really help be a primary foundation to make that happen. And trying to be a good preacher, they all start with the letter P. So hopefully that's helpful. Number one is pages. Pages. What does your Bible have? Pages. I know some of you have a Bible on your phone and things, and maybe you don't turn pages in a book anymore, but you have to go with me. I'm a little old-fashioned sometimes. But the pages is a reminder that the Bible needs to be a centerpiece of your life this year. That if you're to walk in the light, you have to be engaged regularly in your personal life. The church can't do it all for you. And your Bible study alone is not going to do everything you need and what God wants to do in meeting you through the pages of the Scripture. Is that I want to invite you to be engaged in reading the Scripture. We're going to, in a few weeks, going to give you some, some helpful tips and maybe do some Bible reading together as a church through this year. But I want you to invite you, I want to invite you to be praying about how, how are we going to make the Bible, God's Word, a significant part of your spiritual growth this year to help you walk in His light. You know, we have to be, nobody can do it for us, but we have to be people who choose to say, I'm going to arrange my life around the Scripture. And part of that means I have to set aside the time needed to do it because I have to get myself into the Bible. And when I get myself into the Bible, as God's Spirit would do it, you know what He does? He begins to get the Bible into me. It's like the prophet was told, eat this book. Eat the book. Nurse yourself on God's Word. So pages. If you want to walk in the light, it is so significant that pages is a part of it. The next P is prayer. Prayer is something, too, we, we, we can't just wait for a pastor, a church leader, a Bible study person to pray over you. That prayer is your invitation. Prayer is the invitation God gives to you to come and be His friend, to get to know him and to be reminded every time you sit and pray is that you are known by God. Prayer is your intimate connection and interaction daily with God. But again, it's up to you in a way that you will arrange your life to let prayer be a priority for you. Praying about your life and the needs that you have, learning to pray for the needs of other people, learning to pray for the work of the gospel. In the expansion of God's kingdom around the globe. Praying. Being engaged in pages of the Bible. Being engaged in prayer. And then being part of God's people. Being connected to God's people. And making that a renewed emphasis for you in this church this coming year is my challenge for you. In a few weeks' time, we're going to start a, a church-wide small group emphasis like we've often done in the fall and want to begin to invite you to be thinking and praying about that when uh, news comes out about that, opportunities to connect with a small group. I hope, I really hope you'll make every effort 
to be a part of that because being part of God's people is perhaps the most significant way God will grow your life. He will bless your life. There will be times that's tough. It's hard to be with people, but you can't replace them. Sorry, you can't. You really can't walk in the light if you're separated from the people of God. You just can't. It's part and parcel with the whole thing. This passage in 1 John about walking in the light, it talks about being connected to the people of God. It talks about being people who are walking in confession and uh, seeking the Lord and desiring His purity. That's what confession is all about. It's not about whipping yourself. It's not about you know, thinking poorly of yourself. It's about aligning yourself so that you can be pure and right and good with God. So part that is part of what we do when we come to the Lord's Supper is we have the opportunity when we do this almost once a month in our church is to open ourselves again to each other in confession and in healing of relationships. And we open ourselves up in a fresh way to the Lord to allow Him to renew and cleanse us again. You know, confession, there's nothing fancy about confession. There's no special mantra you have to do or no special person it has to be done with. Confession literally means to agree with God. Is that God's Spirit identifies an aspect of your life and you see it's not, it's out of kelter with the way God would have you live. And you say, God, I agree with you. I agree. Won't you come and help fix this in my life? Help this disturbing pattern to be broken. Help this relationship to be healed. Help this area of my life and my parenting or at my workplace touch this area and help me, strengthen me, and help me to be responsive. Holy Spirit, as I continue to pray day after day in these areas, help me to be responsive as you would guide me with your light into my life. So as we do this, I want to invite you to, on the wall behind me is going to be our church covenant. We have often done this around the Lord's Supper to remind ourselves who we are in the Lord and who we are together as a community of faith. So as part of your preparation for sharing together in the Lord's Supper, let's read together. Having, as we trust, been brought by divine grace to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, solemnly and joyfully covenant with one another that we will, wait, are you ready? That we will walk together in Christian love, show loving care for one another, and encourage, counsel, and admonish one another, assemble faithfully for worship, and pray earnestly for others as well as for ourselves. Endeavor to bring up those under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Share one another's joys and bear one another's burdens and sorrows. Give evidence of the reality of our conversion and baptism by living godly and holy lives. Maintain a faithful ministry of worship, evangelism, 
by Christian example and witness to win others to Christ and encourage their growth toward Christian maturity. Be faithful stewards of our resources and abilities in sharing the gospel with people of all nations and seek earnestly to live to the glory of Him who has brought us out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. Into His marvelous light. Into His marvelous light. To be people who walk in the light of Christ. Please come and join me here.